Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. This week is a bit of a special episode. Uh, it's, a, I guess, an in-memoriam episode, because we are marking the passing of the Swiss actor Bruno Ganz. Uh, he's famous for playing a lot of roles, and we've decided to do Downfall, the film in which he probably plays one of the most famous people in the world. Mm. Uh, joining us, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not and walked into the room saying, I know nothing about Downfall. It's Anna Weir. Hello. Anna, you know nothing about Downfall. No, but I've suddenly figured out what film this is now. What film is it? Um, well... All I know is Hitler. He plays Hitler. It is the Hitler film. Yes. yes. This the is Hitler that's the Hitler film. film. You, well, know, you know the one. Well, arguably, it is the Hitler film. Mm. It is. Um, it was released uh, two thousand and four, I believe. Yeah, and it's. Um, it was the film which obviously brought us the delightful YouTube meme of uh, Hitler shouting angrily at things with false subtitles underneath. You look. You've not seen that meme. I have not seen that meme. Jason Dolly, the yeah. guest who has seen the film, <laughs> and the meme. Um, <laughs> are you surprised she has not seen the meme? I am quite surprised you've not seen the meme. I think you you might have seen it and not realised it. We might show it to you later and see okay. if you have. Yeah. It but, was one of the big things that came out from this film. The other thing, big thing that well, came, it came out, out like eight years after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the initial thing was the film came out and everyone went. This is such a great film. Um, mm. It's it's a film which has been uh, widely lauded. It depicts the final few months of Adolf Hitler's life oh, okay. in the bunker uh, and how um, not fun that was for all concerned. It's based on, obviously, real-life accounts mm. and won a buttload of awards. And Bruno Ganz himself, this was obviously his most iconic role. Yeah. And uh, he, he passed away a couple of weeks ago at the time that this is released. Um, and undoubtedly, Jason, this is this is his big top, like, main role. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even, even being someone who has watched a lot of German cinema, I still haven't seen him in that much. Okay. Um, Bruno Ganz, I yeah, really have not seen him in very much else. Mm. A lot of these people are much more classical actors, which I probably didn't get around to seeing, apart from Thomas Kretschmann, which we'll probably get to later. Yes. Who, um, he's kind of made it quite big in, um, uh, in Hollywood now mm. as well. He's been in Valkyrie. He's been in Avengers. Um, yeah, he plays he plays German World War Two soldiers. I was going to say lot. there does seem to be a connection between <laughs> he, those films. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, and then in this he's also playing a Nazi soldier. Yeah, in Avengers he plays a Hydra soldier, so ah, maybe okay. that's different enough. It's yeah. not. No, no, it's it not. no, they're still no, Nazis. He's he's the one who gives um, Scarlet Witch and um, Quicksilver their powers in Age of Ultron. Right. Yes. The guy was with some monocle. Yes. It's got yes. built into his not head. the monocle. Semonicle. <laughs> Semonicle, yes. yes. Um, so you saw this film a, a while back, Jason. I saw it in 2005 while I was living in Germany. Mm. And you saw it in German without subtitles? Uh, yes. Um, what do you remember about this film? What, um, what stands out for you? 
I think what stands out to me is that it's very shot in kind of a um, old way. Like, you know how when you watch um, things like the 90s Pride and Prejudice or an 80s film and things like that, how it's got a slightly grainy quality to it? Mm-hmm. It's quite. It's got a lot of that kind of going on with it, and it's very slow, pregnant pauses, which is quite deliberate. Um, and it has this interesting thing about following a lot of people around, not mm-hmm. just Hitler. So it is meant to say, like, this is the worst time, because I think if you had a film that was just following Hitler and making you feel like it was the worst from just Hitler's point of view, it wouldn't maybe work as well. Yeah. Um, those bits do work, um, but with Downfall, it's very... It's wide. It's the mm. bunker more than it is to yeah. well, everything it, else. I mean, it's based on the 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 diaries essentially of of um, Hitler's last secretary. Yeah, uh, it's something like the Führer bunker. Yeah, which is the name of the the thing, which means Hitler's bunker. Yeah, basically. So yeah. Um, mm. So having having learned all that, Anna, um, what are you now expecting from this film? Um, well, I have watched the one. Hitler, The Rise of Evil. The, I think, oh, the Robert Carlyle one. Yes, thank mm. you. That's Sue's name I could not think of. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that, mm. but I did watch that back in high school. So, I don't know, I'm feeling fairly standard war film. Mm. Mm. But I, I was 11 when this came out, so I feel like I can be excused for... Not having seen it. Not having probably, seen it. Probably, yeah. You probably wouldn't have been old enough for the rating, so no. that's fair. Uh, all right, well, with all that being said, shall we watch the film? Yes, let's. Mm-hmm. Okay, for those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and... There is nothing like I can say at this point. <laughs> Just get ready to watch Downfall. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Downfall. And by we, I, of course, mean Anna Weir. Hello. And Jason Doley. Guten Tag. So, Anna, that was your first time watching Downfall. It certainly was. What did you think? I enjoyed it, but my god, it was grim. It's really grim. That's my first time watching it through. I'd never actually watched the whole thing. Um, I'd seen scenes, obviously the the meme scene, which we'll get to. um, Mm. But I'd seen large sections of it. And watching it for the whole time, the whole way through, it's... I mean, it's a long film, but it feels like a real slog. It Mm. really did. Um, And that's arguably a good thing, because it's meant to depict... What was a slog for the people involved? Yes, but I don't <laughs> That's know. An understatement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I I don't know if it's necessarily. Um, I I feel I felt it was a bit too long. Yeah, no, I I could agree with that. Mm. I think what 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 some of these films like this does like you're almost brought to care for these characters via near like Stockholm syndrome level. Of, yeah, you spend so long being exposed to them. Yeah. Like, have you, if you've ever watched um, one of the films I felt that a lot in is The Master, that Philip Seymour Hoffman, Joaquin Phoenix film. Okay. You just spend so long with these characters. By the end, I always felt more like Stockholm connected to them than actually connected in a way. Mm. Like you're almost held together by this, I just need to see this through because I've gone for so long. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. And it's, but, but I think it's, despite the fact that it's very long, it's by no means a bad film. I don't think... No, no I think yeah. it was... I mean, quality-wise, it was very good. Yeah, you didn't... You felt like it was a slog, but you were never bored slogged. You yeah. were just... Yeah. You were beaten down. Yeah. Quite the, literally. Yeah, which... and there was no there was no dropping quality at any point, I mm. felt. There, no. was, there was no point where I went, oh, they could have lost this 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, because it was bad. It was partly more just because... It, 
look, it, it's a difficult subject. And I think mm. the yeah. fact that they chose to try and put as much into this film as they ended up doing is yeah. is pretty admirable. Like, it's it's a very thorough, I feel, telling of of what it was like in the bunker in those last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the film obviously starts um, with uh, Hitler's uh, secretary, um, Traudel, um, mm. and she's uh, it, it's the actual uh, woman being interviewed before her death, discussing how she was young and she had no idea about things like the um the, the holocaust the holocaust and things like that mm. but was also saying how much she disliked herself for being so stupid when she was young mm. and, and then we not looking into it yeah all. yeah and then the end as well not to to kind of that bookmark is actually quite um amazing when she references sophie scholl yeah yeah who um if anybody doesn't know who sophie scholl is she's held up as kind of the big picture of German resistance now. Mm. Um, there's characters like von Stauffenberg who was in you know, was covered in Valkyrie with the July twentieth plot to assassinate Hitler and a lot of people think that he's someone to kinda of hold up as being something admirable in World War Two, but you know, he was still a Nazi, he just didn't mm. like Hitler. But Sophie Scholl was a university student, she was fourteen, I mm. think, when she was um trying to lead a resistance and yeah, the Nazis killed her. Yeah. And so she's, yeah, very much a part of it. And that, that point when she was talking about Sophie Scholl, that really was quite emotional for mm. anybody who knows a lot about her. Yeah, and and I think that line she says mm. of, it's no excuse to be young, to be young yeah. was, was a really powerful line. Particularly, you know, we see her throughout this film. Um, we see the, the character now of Trudel mm. in, in uh, ni- initially 1942 and then 1945. We see her sort of rejecting the reality around her and it's not just Trudel that does this no it's sort of everyone yeah. in the bunker is... yeah it's it's this madness that that seems to inhabit them all and it's interesting seeing who chooses to see the reality and who just can't face it and yeah. then what they choose to do to either keep the lie going or face the consequences of the truth yeah there's characters that like keep going mm. um blindly some further than others some go for a long time some go and then are pulled away and some uh, almost fall into a weird like um, like the nepotism of everybody getting drunk mm. and doing things or Ava Brown as well is a very good example as well yeah I thought she was really interesting she was very interesting yeah yeah, yeah she was it was very well, I mean we've all said interesting about three times mm. but yeah, it was, yeah well it, it, it's the choices that they made yeah. with her were quite it's hard to not say interesting. It but, is hard but we, to not it, say it, interesting. It's but... hard to also, with something like this, throw other similar words out. Like, you can't say, oh, that was a really good thing or that like, they oh, did. Oh, it was fascinating. It was fascinating. It's I like, mean, interesting is, I think, yeah. I think safest, you, you, you may, like yeah, you may almost have to, to forgive us audience members that when we say interesting, we mean a whole bunch of different things. But I think interesting is definitely yeah. the biggest word that we want to use I mean, because anything it, else implies a level of emotion of positivity. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that is an interesting point it, to bring up because <laughs> and, and, no, it, look, I'm aware I use interesting a lot on this podcast. Go listen to the other night. Yeah. You'll hear it a lot, but interesting. I, but I think the thing that is of interest here is that while we were watching this film, Anna, you said you felt, you, you said you'd, you'd never watched a film where you felt so much nothing for so many of the characters. I did. I did say that, and it was true. There was, I mean, apart from Trudel and sort of the young children who were out in Berlin and mm. the random citizens that we didn't see that much of. There wasn't that much connection. Mm. Just watching all the 
for want of a better word, main characters or the main players. Mm. I was just... There's no hero. There's no... No, there isn't. People are trying to be heroic, and a lot of the ways they try to be heroic are in their Nazi-fied way, yeah, and, and it's, it's horrible. Yeah, and it's so hard to dredge up Like, any it's him of... just going, all right, we're going to keep fighting, we're going to lose lives, so Hitler can have 20 more minutes, or whatever you... Or like, yeah. you know, just to sacrifice. And, you know, certain characters will stand up and say no, but you... Um, like, the guy who goes to get shot, and oh, yes, then yes. gets put in charge, mm. and then he's like, oh, that's even worse. Mm. Like it's still like there's almost no there's no heroes. There's yeah. characters like the professor. He's um, probably the closest. He's the closest get. thing you get to a hero. Or the um the one armed German, the the kid's dad. Yeah, the the one who says yeah he don't make these children fight. But he's more of a than a, like a character you identify with. I think he more represents a subsection of people. He I would almost say he represents what. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people feel, especially Germans, about the war now, like, looking back. It's and a... particularly at that time as well. Like, yeah. when it's clear to everyone who isn't in the bunker, guys, call Just it. pack it this in. Is, this mm. is done. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, the professor, um, Schenk, is, is, mm. is possibly... He, he's not necessarily a hero, but what he does is he has... A morality which is not connected to the Nazi Party. Yes, it's mm. just connected to people. Yeah, he 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 has a care for people. He is still a Nazi, but he makes it very clear that above his sort of allegiance to the Nazi Party, his allegiance is to the people, is well, to keeping them. If healthy. you look at his arm where the Nazi band would usually be, it's a red cross. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, that. no. When I, I noticed it in the bit where he was trying to stop the two old people from being executed. Oh yes. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, you can see it quite prominently then, mm. and so I didn't notice it again, but like just a few points, I noticed that he has the um, he has the red cross band, not the Nazi swastika brand. I mean, he still had the SS things on his collar, I think. Yeah. Well, that's a very clear sign of I might be a Nazi, but first and foremost, yeah, I am a doctor, doctor who is yeah. here, to, and not the you know the Nazi and, I mean, kind the f- of doctor who's doing experiments. Or yeah, not a Mangala kind of doctor. Yeah, yeah. he was there to help. Well, that's the thing. The first thing you see him do is he's you're watching him burn documents, and he's saying, "No, this is wrong. We this is wrong." Be doing like you know this. what? Ha- yeah, like it's, it's like, "Oh no, we got to go. The order's been given. We've got to go." It's like, "Well, I'm we're the ones in charge." Yeah, we're the ones and in he's charge the one of food. Who says, but what about the civilians and yeah. the people who live here? And everyone's hmm. like, "Well, bugger them." Yeah, it's like food and things. It's like, well, the good. What was the line? The good soldiers will always find some food. It's like, yeah, they're going to find them from the civilians. Yeah, yeah. and I think that is. Um, it's interesting how they choose not to try and portray that as necessarily heroic. A lot of mm. the stuff he's doing is brave, like running into the hospital by himself when it's contro- it's in Russian-controlled territory now. Mm. is brave slash foolhardy. Um, but I-, I think it's interesting that, you know, there's never triumphant, heroic trumpet music. Yeah, when he does a- I was just thinking there's yeah. no, like, you know, when he sees all the infirm and old people who've been left in the hospital, there's no, you know more schlocky film there would be like a swell of music while he's guides them out yeah while he tries to save them we have no idea what happened it is it looks like he just left them it is highly likely because i mean what would you do if yeah well unfortunately it's a sensible choice yeah it is and it's possibly what he did and while he's being you know being pulled left right and center by other people who Mm. need and want his attention he doesn't have time to save a 
ward full of old people. Mm. Mm. And I think it presents so many fan- fascinating questions of what you do. I think the way they depict Hitler's staff in this film and the way those generals are squabbling with each other and you've got the ones who are going, the war is lost, we need to save people, or the war is lost, we need to save ourselves, or the war is never lost because we believe in the... Yeah, Führer's because we're, we're, yeah. The, we're the best and we will always win. And we've got yeah. Hitler and while Hitler's here, how could we lose? And it's like Hitler is very clearly losing it. Yeah. Mm. And, and I almost think... even the reason... You're losing as yeah. well. You see that with his all his plans. His plans make no sense. Is that your leaders just he, he double, doesn't have it anymore? Yeah, he double um, backs on himself a few times. He'll, mm. he'll give an order and then he'll say that wasn't his order. And he'll yeah. you're he, all in charge now. Do what you want, except execute this one guy. I'm yeah, very clear on except that. It, except that, except that. Infuriating then, from a boss at the best of times. Yes, and that was by far un- the worst. Unclear of employment. Times. Yeah. Mm. So, but yeah, I think looking also with the huge cast we were just talking about there's a lot of people thrown at you so um you kind of only get a bit to identify with a few characters and you kind of got to remember they do all look fairly similar Similar. the the nazis were kind of big on a particular look well they nailed it yeah they um yeah there was a lot of white people in it yeah it was (laughs) white middle-aged german men yeah white middle-aged german men so yeah it's difficult to try and hide that and keep that Mm. however while we're talking about how people look um Goebbels oh yeah amazing he looked horrendous I mean, what do we I called him demonic Matt Smith at one point because his, his name is Ulrich Matthias I do feel if that is that man's just his normal face mm. without Ulrich any Mattis. sort of Mattis, sorry without any sort of like you know prosthetics or massive weight loss behind oh. it that is oh see there he looks totally normal yeah he looks relatively normal it looks like he might have been like a, a I don't know a tennis player in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but the picture Jason's fan. Yes, yeah, so terrifying. Just if you go to his IMDb, it's the main picture that he has. Mm. Um, but but the way they did his hair, the way his like you say, the way he's lit. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. It's very harsh, stark lighting. Yeah. He is all angles. There the bit no where they're there. burning Hitler's body, especially. Yeah. I just oh, do, that like, <laughs> animate a few audible gasps. Usually when people <laughs> shot themselves, but even at that yes, point, all of us just go, oh. <laughs> Just that, yeah, that was fascinating. But that Mm. guy who played Goebbels and Frau Goebbels as well, um, she almost had a modernity to her look in a way, if Mm. you looked at it. Like she dressed a a lot like the, well, I I don't want to compare like like, somebody in Nazi Germany to the Queen, but she kind of did look a bit like that in terms of the very prim hair. Mm. She was very 1940s in what she was wearing. Her costuming was impeccable. It was very fashionable. Speaking of the fashion, uh, Anna, you, uh, for people who've not listened to the series before, you are currently... um, is it a fashionista in training? Like, what's the official title? Uh, the official title is costume technician. technician. Thank you. They draw it, I make it. Excellent. And yeah. you make fabulous things, dare oh, I say. Mm. What did you think of the uh, the use of costumes in this film? I thought it was very good. I mean, obviously the Nazis have or had such a distinctive and well-defined look. And, I mean, I don't know if anyone else but, like, a costume person would notice this. The breaking down of a lot of the costumes, especially that the just regular townspeople is wearing. I mean, it was excellent. Mm. That's you, mm. it. Looks like you know when that um the one armed man <laughs> whose name I cannot remember the uh, young boy, the young boy's father. Yeah, yeah. the boy's we'll call father. him pa- Papa. His coat had just like little details of there was wear and tear around the back of the neck, and you can see mm. it's been you know scuffed and sort of mm. frayed at the collar, and it's just little things like that that. It makes a world. 
I mean, obviously, you know, with the set and just everything else, there is a world. But if you have people who, and at that point, it's the fall of Berlin, no one's going to be wearing impeccable, mm. beautifully, like beautifully tailored that, military garb that they mm. would have been doing at the start of the war when that was such a big concern. Mm. Yeah, they're just wearing what they've got. And um, I think, yeah, Papa Kranz, as I'll call yes. him, uh, he, he he embodied that look really fantastically well. I think the use of, I think the use of colour with extras in this film was really interesting. Yes. There were mm. a couple of points where we see, there was one specific shot where it's the aftermath of a shell. It's when young Peter, who's the young soldier boy that's been running around, who... Um, is in that shell hole when he sees that other dead boy in the hole in the hole mm. the shot when they reveal after the shelling and you've got the living civilians coming back in to see the dead there was the living civilians had a little bit more color to them than yes, the dead yes they they really mm. did and it felt like a very direct choice that like there was a woman with a red coat and there was oh yeah walking along yeah, yeah whereas all the civilians were in like sort of more brown and black tones and i thought that was fascinating where it's almost as though once you die you sort of sink into berlin you sink into this you are hellscape. part of the detritus yeah. well yeah you you're you're not alive like mm. life is color death is monotony yeah and in the german costumes they're kind of already monotonous mm. and then you've got color. someone like um frau goebbels who is bright red bright yeah bright red but she was so impeccably tailored and made up and she never stopped being it yes even I, like she m- murdered her children and she still looks impeccable there's she, one bit where she's lying in bed and yeah she's not well and she's pleading with no no that's that's spear's wife that's oh, somebody it? else oh, yeah. i thought that was the same no no that's um that's spear's wife it's the problem with everyone having the same haircuts yeah I think that's, oh, God. it was the other blonde lady oh the other blonde lady <laughs> but frau goebbels to me looking at that i'm like well that's her armor mm. is she has to have yeah. All of that. She has the sharp 1940s angles. She's yeah. got it all going on. Exactly. But you see... Um, and it's literally the end days and she never once lets that down. And no, she keeps that. Like, she'll lose herself. Yeah, but and neither she... did Eva when she's putting on her lipstick. She's sort of staring at herself and contemplating her death and her suicide. And she puts on her lipstick and, you know, you'd be thinking, well, that's the very last thing that you'd mm. be concerned with right now. But yeah. no, it has to be. It has to be like that, even though you she, she knows what's you happening to, keep the to her body. Going. Yeah, and I think in the same way we see that with with um, uh, Yusuf Goebbels himself, where he's we always see him putting on the hat and looking at himself in the mirror. Sort of straightening his tie and... Yeah, yeah making sure everything's and then, right. But then you compare that to other characters like um, like Hitler looks dishevelled for quite mm. a lot of this film because he's, he's at the end it's of his tether. It's an interesting transition to watch him... He gets worse. Yeah. And he was already shit. Mm. Like, and then he's the grey and the moustache and his face is just and the way his hair hangs down. hair is falling over his forehead. It's, yeah. it's subtle, but it's really effective. Mm. And I especially liked when all the, um, all the generals and soldiers were in the bunker and they were arguing. There was always sweat. They yeah. were always it sweaty. It felt hot and it, sticky. It I mean, it's... We're in Perth right now, in it February quite and it's sticky. quite hot and sticky. Yeah, it's thirty. It's about 30 degrees and it's nine o'clock at night. And I'm so. But this is also May very in light. Germany yeah. too. So it would be a normal temperature. Mm. But, but in the bunker. Underground. They're there's underground. No yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like it would be like when they go outside, it would probably be around 20, 17 degrees or something like that. Mm. Because so, they, but they un- did always go out wearing their coats. Yes, they always did. Especially when the women did, went out yeah. for a walk. Mm. Um, but 
Yeah, they would have been sweating down there because air conditioning wouldn't have been great. And they're stressed as hell. Yeah, and they're stressed. And, and they're all just... secretly smoking when Hitler's not looking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is a fascinating use of that environment. I think the way scenes in the bunker were shot were fascinating mm, as well. We were talking about that. The, the eye level seemed to be below where it normally is in films. It seemed to be from a lot of the perspective of someone who is sat down in the room. So mm. much like Hitler sitting behind his desk all the time. Mm. Yeah, and um, even there was a few points... As um, where somebody would be talking to Hitler and I actually notice that eyeline goes over him. Mm. Um, well, it looks like he's looking at him when you've got the lower shots, but then when they pan out, the guy's actually looking just... over Hitler's head in ah. a way, like still trying to... Um, I guess it's a way of trying to show respect to somebody who's seated, seated as well. Mm. And it does kind of cause this slightly ghostly look as well. I can't well. imagine he was one, you know, for much eye contact. No, true, mm. true. Yeah, um, I, I, there are a lot of characters in this film and we mm. see a lot of the generals and they all have names and they're based on real people. Because, yeah, and that's it. You've got to put them in. You mm. can't, like, in a if it was a fictionalised version... You could leave out a few people. Well, no, like, oh, you, you just get this, the general in charge of the defence who does it mm. and he comes in, he reports everything. Like, if it was a fictional other thing, a fictional other downfall... Mm. Um, you would have like, you know, three generals maybe at most yeah. and they can do all the arguing, but this you've yeah. got to have 20 because there were 20. Yeah, because and... th- that's that's how it ended up at the end of the war. They were all together surviving. Mm. Um, and I thought it was interesting that the way they chose to differentiate them, I guess, was kind of just small physical assets to their characteristics. Now, because they are speaking in German and um, I'm not a native German speaker, mm. I found that a lot of their voices sounded similar. Yes. And now, then, that could also be partly because they're all military men mm. and that they would automatically have a similar way of speaking because of going through all that well, stuff together. They also had... Um, they have accents, mm. like everywhere. A lot of them had accents, you could tell, mm. and a lot of them had what um, kind of northern German accents, which is kind of the... In terms of how Germans speak, it's kind of the um, fancy German, the, mm. the, the received pronunciation in oh, English. Okay. So... The proper hello, how are you? Kind of way of speaking in English. Um, Hitler doesn't. Hitler has an Austrian accent, and he does not. Yeah, he, um, he always has, and I always enjoy it because it's quite an easy thing to do. He has a very Austrian accent with how he talks, which for me, being a pretty good German speaker, but I mostly grew up in the areas in the north, or grew up lived, um, and learnt German in the north. I re- I have a hard time hearing like understanding most Austrians. Oh. Hmm. And like, yeah, so I've had a bit of a hard time with that in my past. Is it it a similar thing to the fact that uh, when Arnold Schwarzenegger is speaking in German, because of the way his voice sounds, it sounds the equivalent of like a rural farmer? Yeah, I've heard it compared to, it's like um, a West Country accent. Oh, so So it's like this and you're talking, yeah, it's, it's, it's what a farmer sounds like. Is that what Hitler has? In a way, yes. Oh, I bet he hated that. But he, like... That's in terms of like a general um, by horribleness or, or like a southern accent, like a deep south right. accent. It right. can be yokely, but can also be like House of Cardsy. Right. So right. it can be stereotyped or not. Really. He would. He, yeah. He, he like you know he was still Austrian in a way, and the way he got around that was by essentially well not got around it, but you know Austria became part of Germany hmm. by the end, which is. Um, yeah, he's not a way around it, but it is part of like what kind of went on there. It was this conglomeration of mm. like combining everybody into the German people. So it was a way around it, and it was, 
Yeah, but he had such a hard accent and everybody else did sound quite similar. I could tell mm. a few different accents out. I found uh, Fegerlein's voice, Fegerlein's voice bit was quite different. He does. He has yeah. a very cool way of speaking. Yeah. Um, Fe- yeah, was it Fegerlein? It's, I think I've written, it's F-E-G-E-L-E-I-N. So I'm going to go. Fegerlein. Fegerlein, yeah. yeah Fegerlein. Um, Ava's brother-in-law. Yeah, Ava's brother-in-law. He's played by a guy who's actually kind of famous now, Thomas Kretschmann. <laughs> Um, for playing Nazi soldiers. For playing Nazi soldiers. He played a Nazi soldier in... Um, he was the main guy that was being influenced into actually attacking everyone else in Valkyrie. Right. If you've Have you seen Valkyrie? I have not. You've mentioned I've it not seen it either. Okay, you guys have not seen... Okay, yeah, it, it's... I guess it's a similar thing. And that one at least has... Like when you see the German like soldiers, they're played by Bill Nye and Eddie Izzard and oh. Tom Wilkinson. Mm. It's all British people played by it. Um, but... The other thing, he's, he's also quite famous. He played Strucker, who was the head of Hydra in mm. Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a very cool sounding accent. Mm. If, you, if you hear, if he still keeps it when he speaks English as well. He's got a mm. very, it's fun and it's interesting to listen to. And he has a, um, speaking of people's trajectories, he has a very, he's quite pragmatic and you kind of meant to follow like early on in the beginning you're kind of meant to like him a bit i feel when he because he's like did. we've hmm. got to solve this we've got to yeah. get rid of like you know why are we doing like he's calling everybody out on his bullshit and then and very quickly is like yeah this is not going well then he just gets I'm nihilistic just, i'm just gonna go yeah, yeah. he just goes and go abandons his post and hangs out at the drug party wife. house yeah I think it's really interesting. Again, that thing of showing no heroes. You compare yeah. someone like Fegerlein to Shank. Shank never feels like he stops trying. Mm. Whereas Fegerlein is like, we need to do this, he gets rejected. We need to do this, he gets rejected. Sod it, I'm just going to do drugs and sleep with random women until I get court-martialed mm. and shot. And yeah. it, that, because in a way... he's kind of like, yeah, I know that's coming, so I might as well just... Exactly, and like, well, um, well Shank. Shank? Shank. The professor. Yeah. yeah the he... bald guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. bald guy. Um, he is very much like I'm just going to keep trying like every it's got to um, be something I can do yeah I guess it's a, it's a romanticist versus like a pragmatist mm. kind of approach yeah like the romanticist is you know just keep going but maybe that is the difference between I suppose in 1945 Germany a soldier and someone who's been taught how to heal other people yeah mm. a warrior and a doctor yeah mm. yeah um, I'm really glad that Peter Kranz made it all the way through, the little kid. Yes, yeah. that would have been awful. Was I, he, does anyone know if he was real or is he just sort of a... I don't know. I don't know. Character. Good question. He, I mean, obviously, I, I feel as though, because he doesn't really speak, I feel as though that what he is is just representative of this young, innocent yeah. figure, of representative of all those young, innocent figures that... He is a part the of the Hitler Youth, but weren't. He's a fictional main character ah, in okay. the film Downfall. There you go. So, yeah, no, he's a conglomerate, like, you know, he's, yeah, he's a summary. Things. Yeah, but seeing like seeing him as that child soldier and sort of rejecting his dad going, no, dad, I'm going to fight. You're a coward. And then... Yeah, like, he barely... He, 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 I think the only word he says is coward. Yeah. When he runs away. And then... But then he sees those, you know, young soldiers that he was fighting with. He finds them dead later on because Inga, the girl, was shot by their commander who then shoots himself. Yeah, and he finds them both dead. Yeah, and... You know, he he sees essentially he does the horrors of war thing as well, yeah. but because he's so Start young, on a really small scale, twelve yeah, or mm. however old and he gets. obviously you know he he suffers like it, he suffers the loss of his parents towards the end of the film as well, killed by mm. the the large guy in the very German hat. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was weird. Yeah, yeah. You see him just with the rope because they've already associated this idea of rope. Like we we talked about a long time. Like the rope was the easy way to kill people repeatedly and, yeah repeatedly and so you see that guy just walking out yeah 
And um, yeah, no, it's and horrifying. I think, I think it's really interesting that they chose to depict this sort of military police or self-justice character as wearing something that seemed out of place and also seemed quite... German. Very German, very stereotypical. You know, if this had been in America, he'd have been wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, that kind and, of thing. and to that extent, like, it's something that belongs in the southern areas of Germany. That's what very Bavarian. That? Lederhosen? I, yes, thank you. That's the word I couldn't remember. Yeah. No worries. <laughs> Just helping you out with your degree. <laughs> but yeah, oh God, I, I should know that. I yeah. found that use really interesting. And uh, the kid's great. He always looked like an overgrown child. That, that big guy. Very, yeah, in that mm. very yeah, last yeah. second where he turned around, I was like, oh, that's yeah, very looked, unsettling to he see. He looked pig-like. Yes. Mm. And yeah, it does help with that. Like, there is a lot of getting physicality of evil across with him, with Ger- with Gerbil- Gerbils. Goebbels, yeah. Goebbels, yeah, with Goebbels. He, he just looked evil. He, yeah, they looked horrifying. Yeah. Hitler as well. Yeah. A lot of physicalization. Everybody looked beaten down. Mm. Nobody but essentially Goebbels looked put uh, together, po- at put the together end. or poised out of the yeah. men. And then even, um, was it Magda Goebbels? I think yeah, Magda Goebbels. Magda Goebbels. Um, she kind of, they like it's all about that. Like the people who were put together, you're like, okay, that is weird. Mm. Like if a brown. Like, why can't you let your hair down? Yeah. At, now. Mm. Of all times, yeah, and you you watch them do that. You see them get a bit weird and mm. drunk, and yeah, I odd, think, but they're still color. But that's literally in the last hour, almost. Yeah, yeah. Come drink, you know, have have a fun time. And you see, Ava's kind of embraced that from the beginning because she's not. She knows there's no way out because um, she's like come we're having a party yeah Magda chooses I was like we don't want to have a party I but think, no we should and then yeah but, yeah but then Magda chooses to keep that control but part of that control is controlling everything including um, oh, yeah. the death of her children yep now this is a hard scene especially with the crunches mm. yeah that crunches especially but she was... very forcefully makes yeah. them in their sleep chew the suicide uh, the cyanide capsule yeah. and it is obviously extremely affecting it's based entirely on on truth you know the the mm. six young Goebbels children were all poisoned in their sleep um because because they feared what would happen if the russians captured them and to be honest with with fair cause because mm. you know this was the end of the most brutal war in human history mm. gloves were well and truly and off they were the children of extremely yeah. high-ranking nazi officials mm. they weren't going to be you know, treated, treated well. nicely, yeah. But I think the fact that the filmmakers chose to depict their deaths on screen, as opposed to many of the other deaths. Well, they don't show Goebbels. Yeah, we, we the camera moves away before they shoot. Watches the people react to we, thing, and then yeah. goes back in the same shot. We don't see Hitler or Ava's death. No, um, which is good, I think. Yeah, that, that is, yeah, because that's. I guess you want to you, you show the deaths to make Pete you feel sorry for those people dying. You're yeah. not meant to feel sorry for Hitler. You're not meant to feel sorry no, for Goebbels. No, you need to watch it with a very dispassionate and like, eye. That's it. Like I would almost argue that kind of everybody you see die, you're meant to kind of feel at least a little mm. sympathy. I, I'd agree for. with that as well. There's yeah, because all the big high official Nazis, people like Himmler and Goering, you know, we get their their deaths in the you know, uh, what happened to them bit at yeah. the end of the film. The where are they now? Yeah, the where are they now? Uh, all dead. Uh, but yeah, yeah it, no it, one was sad. It, it explains, their deaths get explained, but witnessing those particular deaths. And it's the a fa- very different thing. And the fact the filmmakers show all six children. I know, we just kept going. Yeah, yeah. you are like, oh, we're done. No, we're not done. Oh, we've there's got to still see. And then it's like, oh, children. now we've got to see the one that was resisting the most. And yeah. And it's, yeah. it is a hard watch. It is. It is right up there with really hard things to watch, but it's extremely well performed. I also think it's it's quite 
respectful. Yeah, in that it show. didn't feel like like the fact that the kids when they, when those kids died, they essentially just made a little uh, noise and that was it. Yeah, there was no like twitching and rolling around. There was and... a little bit of like uh, like yeah. sometimes, yeah. but not with others as yeah. well. And I think that was. I think the older they got, the more they kind of resisted as well, which may have almost been a deliberate choice. Like yeah. a, a child who probably took that much sleeping potion. Potion. Hmm. Sorry, I um, know it's in <laughs> Germany, but it's not Hans Christian. Yeah, <laughs> um, but um, yeah. It's it's. I, I get what you mean, though. Showing that that resistance, the fact that yeah, yeah, young... the, the ones might have already been mo- more knocked out were the ones who probably resisted less. Yeah, yeah. they were just. By default, smaller. They had yeah. less body mass. And I think exactly. the fact that we see that it's Magda Goebbels doing it by herself. Yeah, Goebbels waits outside. Yeah, Joseph Herman. is waiting outside just because he's a complete coward. Yeah, yes. which at that point, it's awful. But you look at that from her point of view as she needs to be strong enough to do that. Yeah. Mm, and she is. But what they're. And he's what you not. also start to see is like, and it's true about Germany and it's something a lot of sometimes maybe more American films will forget about is that opinion was always divided about Hitler like it was it all went forward but you can still have a lot of people like being resistant to the idea or not caring that much about Hitler and using it to rise people like um, uh, Thomas Kretschmann's character um, Eva Brown's brother-in-law that was more it's it's an opportunistic thing to rise Albert Speer as well yeah, yeah. he we've he not touched to on no we've not touched some on nice things yeah he was an architect and mm. he he rose up in the party and you know he had a friendship with hitler as well which you know probably still is quite inexcusable in a lot of ways too yeah, that's not great but mm. he's like he is there but you also see it with um with thomas kretschmann's character him just being like oh, to hell with it all now but the Goebbels are committed, and the only time you see Goebbels show emotion is when is he's like, scene? "I have to disobey Hitler by and that staying. scene where she is begging Hitler him. not to kill himself. And that's the last and... time you see Hitler. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, it. it that, that, that's his bow out of the film. Is him yeah. basically saying, essentially, he just goes, "Yeah, he goes, we're doomed. Too bad. Too bad. So sad. Shuts the door. Essentially, you guys can clean this mess up. I'm out. Yeah, and it's I think he's my super tall bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think it is fascinating how they show that, and it, it's probably a good time to get on to um, Hitler himself. Um, mm. Obviously, the reason we're doing this is because uh, Bruno Ganz uh, has passed away yeah. um, at the age of seventy-seven. Um, very well respected actor in, in of course, um, his native Switzerland and Europe. Mm. What What did we think of his performance, though? I thought it was. I mean, I've never seen him in anything else, so it's very easy when you've never seen a performer be anyone else apart from a character for the first time but i thought he was excellent mm. Mm. it's it is a brilliantly he never broke there was no yeah. part where i thought oh you're a man in a funny mustache playing a dictator i was like oh it's hitler yeah 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 it's a brilliantly controlled performance because hitler himself is very easy to turn into a caricature yeah and just look at mel brooks uh, it's but <laughs> but then when you, you can't we just watch a mel brooks film next time oh uh, we've done a few of them already <laughs> and but we haven't done the producers yet um <laughs> i love that movie excellent um yeah the but the, this depiction I think the control of the outbursts of anger, um, the fact that he chose to play up the the concept that Hitler ha- probably had Parkinson's. Yeah, he, he he came to that decision quite early on. Yeah. I'm, oh, not, I'm not yeah. sure I agree with it. Okay. Um, I think it was more neurological than past Parkinson's. I think there yeah. was, like, it was a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. But, you know, it's easy enough to say Parkinson. It's probably from yeah. an acting standpoint, it's easy just to go, it was that. 
But mm. this is not a man who is eating well or sleeping well or, you know, mm. is not taking huge amounts of prescription drugs to Yeah, he, which be up he was. And, down. Mm. and also, you know, he'd suffered like he'd suffered from mustard gas, I think. He was World he was War definitely I. in a gas attack towards the end of World War One. Which yeah. damaged him a lot. Yeah. So And I I think obviously the majority of this film we're seeing Hitler in his final days and we're seeing yeah. that this is not a well man this is a man who looks older than his 56 years he did the way he's sort of stooped over and moves very slowly and it gets slower and slower throughout mm. the film and um, that's over over a couple of days so that's mm. why I'm, I'm not 100% sure I'm convinced it's all Parkinson's mm. or it was Parkinson's because yeah. it is this real but that fury that mm. is such a big part of the younger Hitler's rhetoric that we know from history is still there he's yes. railing we... against everything yeah. And I think, but I think the really fascinating thing is, is we see it die. We see that fire get extinguished over the course of this film to the point where his last few scenes, he's essentially just kind of mumbling and going, oh, I've been betrayed. This is it. It's done. Yeah. As, and like, you know, at certain points he's screaming about how the generals are the biggest cowards in Germany. Yeah. They're blah, the blah, scum blah. of the German people, I yes. think he yes. says. I think it was. Lazy yeah. bones, I remember. One very <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did call them lazy bones, at least in the English subtitles. I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch the German word, so I can't tell. What is German bones? for lazy bones? I don't know. Ooh. Oh, um, God, Jason. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it never really came up because <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure you stop hearing the word lazy bones when you turn six, usually. That's true. Yeah. Um, when was the last time you heard the word lazy bones? Oh, in a film about Hitler. <laughs> True. But I, I think I think the, the the fact is, watching this film, Anna, I don't know if you agree, I can see why... Foul pelts. What is it? Foul pelts. Ooh. Oh. F-A-U-L-P-E-L-Z. There we go. Foul pelts. The thing I think... may have actually said foul pelts, now come to think of it. <laughs> the thing... That does not translate, I'm pretty sure, as lazy bones. Okay. But, yeah. Mm. Excellent. We learn something new in German every day when it when it comes to this podcast. It's yeah. delightful. But you, this is the second German film you've had me do. Yeah. I wonder why. Mm. You are wearing a Deutschland t-shirt. I am. <laughs> you said you weren't going to bring that yeah. up. <laughs> it yeah. was it was a coincidence. And it's one of the lighter shirts I wear. And as we mentioned, it's very hot. Yeah. So it's a German football league shirt that yeah. I bought when I was living there. But I think that only has three stars. It should have four. It should. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to England's one. One. Yeah. But. I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up, though, is that I think this film... I, I Obviously, watching it as a non-German person, my mm. feeling is that I think this film does a really good job of making that distinction between Nazi and Germany. Well, yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I think there's a, there's a part of... It's something I kind of struggled with as a kid, and, and it's, it's something that made a lot more sense when I went to Germany, is how we all react to wars world wars and that remembrance we in australia we have things like we've memor we have anzac day we have um remembrance day we have a lot of things you know we've got um yeah those like a, a larger we're celebration in poppies and, you know, we're in like poppies that. and things like that and it is about yeah. the sacrifices of the people to keep us safe and, and so on the idea of the fallen soldier is almost you can't say a thing against that because people mm. get very upset very yeah they quickly. do they mm. do and to an extent i think with a lot of the lessons it is like and, and it, depending on how you take certain lessons like they're in it the biggest one that you will take away in germany is kind of a never again like don't let it happen again mm. that's what the sacrifice is meant to be it's like it's so we know in a way not what not to do while in a lot of I would say, especially in maybe places like America and stuff like that, it's we've got to be prepared to do it again. Yeah. And would you kind of agree? Yeah, no, yeah. I would. And there's a, I think, especially with 
Like it, it's because they didn't lose. Yeah, and I they, mean they lost a lot, but they but didn't lose the war. They and didn't. Well, in the, yeah. The sort yeah. of the nineties, there was a real spate of American World War Two films that were like you know heroic. It was a ah yeah, the like glory Wind of and stuff war, like that. and then it was something like had like Saint Private Ryan had to come yeah. along and knock it down a bit more to really remind you that no, it's but horrible. No, it was just yeah. the, awful for everyone mm. involved. Yeah. Well, we were talking about um one that came out recently, Hacksaw Ridge, um directed by Mel Gibson, and how that is meant to be a film about pacifism but it's just explosions and war it's like a mm. pacifist film that loves battles yeah so the thing i wanted to ask you anna um before was just about that performance though of bruno gantz as yes. hitler watching this i felt it is like a, a uniquely fantastic performance and i i suppose given given that this was your first time watching it in full as well um can you see why, I guess, that this is essentially his career-defining film? Oh, yes. It just, it felt very real mm. to watch. It didn't feel, you know, it almost didn't feel like I was watching an actor. I was just watching a person who, while delusional and, you know, obviously had done truly, truly awful things, was at his wit's end and at the end of his life and watching the thing that, he was living for well it was gone it was crumbling and he all of a sudden couldn't grab it back and what was the point mm. and then you kind of look at that and go ah oh, but it's hitler oh. yeah yeah i was going to talk about like is there a dissonance because it's still hitler yeah there and kind like, of i think is. that's it like it's almost the more you think about it you're like oh no wait but it is hitler though mm. and i feel like i felt like looking back on his performance a second time i like, I understood what was going on. I understood like where it was going, but it still kind of felt to me, maybe because of what he is, that it was more, and not to disrespect Bruno Gantz, hmm. but I mean he was playing Hitler. He fine. was playing Hitler, but like it was more like it was a nice piece of scenery around which some other stories were being told as well. Like you were meant to dip in, you were meant to look at it, like like yeah. almost like an establishing shot. Like, oh, yeah. in a way, like, I, I felt incredibly, like, I understood that it was good. I understood the performance yeah. was good. But still, it was just Hitler and he was this thing more than he was. Mm. He's just this monolith. A, yeah, and yeah, or like, it was a thing that we're meant to like have the certain reactions to. And you do, in a way. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, he's just there. Like, I, I, I felt more disconnected maybe the second time. Because, mm. maybe just because it's... Yeah, it's just what he is. And it's yeah. like, and I think, I honestly think this film stands up more on everybody else's performance or everybody, all the other characters' stories mm. and how nuanced they are. Because Hitler's story, while slightly nuanced, is nothing in comparison to almost everybody else. No. And his death is not the end of the story. No, it is. No, which it, I, I liked yeah. that. Well, that we they... accidentally paused it at one point and it was very close to the death. And we're like, oh, there's a lot more of this film to yeah, go. There's like an hour and a half left. Yeah. I like that it wasn't mm. like, and then Hitler showed himself, and the war ended. Because that's why it's not called like you know, it's called um, the downfall, not his downfall. Yeah, in German, um, uh, it's called der Untergang, which means the downfall. It's a little bit of a play because "gang" is also used as like corridor, mm. so like under corridor, which kind of links towards bunker, but really "Untergang" also means downfall or um, end yeah. in a bit of a way. Yeah. So he. Um, so it's the downfall it's not his downfall mm. or Hitler's downfall or something like that Like it is their collective downfall yeah it's the downfall of Nazism in a way yeah um, 
this has obviously been a very heavy uh, film, mm. a very heavy subject. Would you guys like some trivia about Downfall? Might be nice. Why yeah. not? Bruno Ganz studied Parkinson's disease patients in a Swiss hospital to prepare for his role as Adolf Hitler. So as you said, Jason, he very much went, yeah. this is the angle I'm choosing yeah, to play Yeah, he's choosing, which probably makes sense from, an, an, actor, from an acting yeah. standpoint. If you, if you think he looks like he's got that, just mm. use it. I mean, Why not? he never sat there and said Parkinson's yeah. or disease or anything like that. It was still Hitler being Hitler broken. Which yeah. is an element of yeah. his performance. And if it's easy enough to just pretend it was that one thing, then it works. That's I mean, well. I, I, would, I didn't know it the first time I watched it. I only found that out recently yeah. that he was basing off Parkinson's. So, mm. yeah. During the war, a majority of the cyanide capsules produced were made in the concentration camps, which made sabotage of those capsules a real problem. This is one of the reasons why many of the characters in this film who commit suicide by cyanide also shoot themselves to make sure that they die. Um, this is part of the reason why Hitler's beloved dog Blondie is poisoned, because they need to test that this particular batch worked. The death of the dog, I think, is always an interesting point in this film. Yeah. Weirdly, even that didn't make me that sad. No. Like, well, it's Hitler's dog, though. Yeah. <laughs> There's a website, and honestly, Carmen and I used it last night. Oh, is it the Does the, the, does dog, the dog Die, die at the yeah. End? I've used it for a few things. Um, we're watching um, Kingsman for the first time, both of us. Good film, good a- film. And they all get given a dog, and as soon as that happened, Carmen's like... <laughs> pause the film. Yeah, pause the film, looks it up, it's like, cool, cool. I mean, not to spoil it, but it doesn't die, okay. so... Good, I can now watch that film. You can now watch Kingsman. Uh, yeah. um, it's very good. But yeah. But I'm yeah. only halfway through still, so yeah. Now there's a film with some good costumes. Yes. Tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the opening scene of the film where Troudel is being interviewed for the position of Hitler's secretary in late 1942, she introduces herself as Troudel Humps. Uh, however, in all the scenes in the bunker, she is referred to Frau as Junger. Frau Junger. Oh, yeah, did she get married? Um, in 1943, Troudel, with Hitler's approval, married an SS officer named Hans Hermann Junger. Uh, Junger. Junger. Sorry. Uh, he was subsequently killed in action in oh. 1944 because the film jumps from 42 to 45. The I must name admit, I accurate. did not notice the three-year time jump. I, I noticed that it because he moved, because just... they moved from... Because they were talking about how they are in the wolf farm, the wolf slayer, mm. which was Hitler's uh, main point of operations when the war was going well, which was oh. in the forest. I can't remember I did wonder where. why we were never in the forest again. Yeah, it was then, it was more to the east because they were fighting the right. Russians and it was going okay. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, we're in Berlin because it's gone wrong. Yeah, it's gone right. wrong. It's the end. So. I was also knitting at the time, so <laughs> that was on me. Mm. Most of the outdoor scenes in this movie were actually filmed in St. Petersburg. In Russia. Ah. In Russia. Mm. Uh, this was for two reasons. One, the architecture of that city has Germanic aspects to it. And two, there are plenty of streets with little to no modern advertisements or other commercial aspects. Oh, that's quite clever. Yeah, there's also a lot less of, like, that Berlin kind of lost, yeah, yeah. yeah, lots of Berlin's been, because, you know, it didn't get better for Berlin. The war went up pretty much 10 years later. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. And um, then that destroyed a lot, because the centre of, if you've ever seen a picture of Berlin, the centre of Berlin, now it looks great, because essentially in 1990 they had a kilometre-ish stretch, you know, a stretch of, like, just space to build, and they've built really impressive architecture on it. And looks super modern, but back then it was like everything was bombed to hell. Because yeah, and then it was all just grey concrete. Mm. For and like and you years. know, it's all talking about how the Russians are going to destroy and kill and like you know like wipe Berlin off the map. But mm. the thing is that was happening. But at the same time, Dresden was getting bombed by the British and the French and everybody else as well. So mm. yeah, you know, it, this as I said, this is the side that we don't get to see as much. Mm. 
and it's important to recognise as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Karl Richter, who is a member of the German NPD, uh, mm. sort of a modern far-right, uh, ooh, the Nazis might have been okay, uh, political movement. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. Yes. He actually managed to get into this film um, as an uncredited soldier. He's one of the Nazi soldiers. And... Um, Got there is footage of him in this film in the uniform, lifting his arms and shouting "Heil Hitler!" Oh, and great. obviously he saw that as being a uh, a big mark of honor, and the filmmakers did not know oh. until after. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. Maybe yeah. tripped over some rubble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was. I think that's fascinating. That you know there is still that element. There are always those elements that continue long after conflicts have ended. You look at mm. things like. The divisions caused by the civil war in places like America. America yeah. You look at, um, you know, the divisions even created by this war between other countries, and then yeah. obviously within Germany, obviously you still have this. I mean, there's, there was fascism everywhere. Yeah. In a lot of things. There's that really good documentary about the Nazi rally in 1930s in Madison Square Garden in yeah. New York. And I think it's, I think it's, it's just one of those things that I think is, it is a a sort of an interesting consequence of of what happened and the fact that you know we can read about someone who still thinks these are good ideas mm. appearing in the film and having getting you know getting his rocks off on that yeah and well, i mean how many holocaust deniers are there still out there yeah i think it's just it's that thing of you can look at something that happened 70 years ago and sign it off as being history but it's still very current there are mm. still people alive who were running around in those streets trying to survive yeah. um you know that it's not history for them well my aunt lives on the kibbutz in israel and she worked for many years with holocaust survivors mm. and people who had the tattoos on their arms mm. and she she works in the library and she worked i think she passed away now but one of the women that she used to work with she was a twin and her twin sister and her were experimented on during the war and she was the only one who made it wow. so mm. it's so yeah, I, um, it's so far, but it's still so recent. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know I met people when I was living in Germany too. Like, uh, my host mother's father was um, an Italian prisoner of war mm. as well during the um, during the Second World War as well, and like it was just brought up very matter of factly, and I remember that struck me a lot too. Mm. Because I think coming from Australia as well, we we experienced it a lot, but it was not on our doorstep. It was no. not no, not, at not all. to the experience that you know people who probably now live in Israel or people who live in Germany experienced it. It's much more real for them, and maybe I think that's often why it's more prevalent in places that didn't experience it in a lot of ways. Like there's, I would argue that there's probably less far right wing nationalists in Germany than there are in. Uh, countries that were not directly yeah. affected by the war, so things like I would say America and so on, and here yeah. in a ways. So it's um, it's about learning lessons in a lot of ways. Yeah, which... and it's very easy when those lessons didn't happen to you or mm. your ancestors or your f- country. Yeah. To go, yeah, well, it was that was all right, really. Yeah. I think everyone's overreacting, and you know mm. they had some good ideas the whole time. Yeah. So Wait, next trivia? Didn't. Well, the next yeah, trivia... Yeah, this was supposed to be less depressing. Yeah, Stephen. and this is worse. <laughs> Apologies. We've this made ne- it worse now. <laughs> this next one is a bit lighter because we're going to talk about the meme scene. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, speci- 
I'm still didn't recognize it. I'm sorry. Okay, well, got nothing. The clips from this movie are used in numerous parodies that appear on YouTube, in which a scene, usually the one of Hitler yelling at his subordinates, is re-subtitled to imbue it with unintended comic meaning. The first such of these videos was from 2008, I believe, uh, and it was called "Hitler Gets Banned from Xbox Live." (laughs) And so when he's doing his angry shouting, going, "Everyone's betrayed me," he's there going, "I can't believe I've been banned. This is ridiculous." All that kind of things. Uh, subsequent other subjects that have been covered have included the Nashville gas crisis of 2008, changes to Epcot at Walt Disney World, <laughs> the delay of the release of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, disappointment at the first Avatar trailer, the Balloon Boy hoax of 2009, and Brett Favre signing with the Vikings. Um, so yes, there have been many of these things. There was, of course, um, a little bit of, a, of an issue um, copyright-wise. In 2010, Constantin Films, who owned the rights to Downfall, started taking down the parodies, arguing that their copyright was being infringed. Shortly thereafter, new parodies appeared decrying (laughs) Constantin Films. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Contrary to the reaction of Constantin, the director, Oliver um, Hirschbiegel, claimed that he had seen over a hundred such parodies and enjoyed them very much. Oh, that's all right. (laughs) I think it's also when um, going into how YouTube works, is they'll actually look at video and sound and try and find where it comes from. Mm. And if it flags, they can you'll be demonetized if you're using something with money, or you'll be changed. Which is why, if you ever like, not saying you should, but if you ever do watch something that's like, say, taken off the television, like an episode of Game of Thrones, mm. straight off the thing, um, they'll often flip the image. Yes. Or they'll. It'll be like in a tiny box. It'll in the be a corner. tiny box with another picture on there because all it'll recognize is the picture. It's a way yeah. to defeat the algorithm. Mm-hmm. With a German film, with just pictures i don't think changing the subtitles is going to throw off the algorithm as much because mm. it's hearing literal lines from it and it's seeing all the lines with just slightly different yeah subtitles mm. but yeah so there's there's a whole load for you to enjoy and, right um back to the slightly sad stuff but this is a more interesting kind of point um Rochus Misch, who was the one who was still alive when this film came out in his thing at the end where it's oh the sad um thingy operator yeah the communicator yeah he outlived the actor who played him really oh. yeah um, oh that's very unfortunate heinrich schmeider died in 2010 he was only 40 and the real mitch died three years later at the age of 96 2013 mm. wow yeah wow look that's downfall was sad. never going to be a happy fun no, ride I know. But, no. yeah it's yeah it was it's a little sad but also so like people dying at 40 yeah but again that thing of, of history still being there the fact yeah, that yeah, still that's alive. Crazy. You know, someone who was there in the bunker hearing gunshots like new hitler yeah he's you know still knocking around when gangnam style goes big it just feels <laughs> odd that that is a there's Every a so he could have literally heard thrift shop by michael moore yeah he probably did everything's yeah. more recent than we think isn't it yeah mm. um justice von donagni and i apologize if i get these wrong um who portrayed uh general bergdorf is the grandson of hans von Doignani, who is one of the member of an anti-Hitler conspiracy who was hanged in a concentration camp in 1944. An anti-Hitler conspiracy? Yeah, there were a few attempts to, to assassinate Hitler while he was oh, in charge. Oh, right. I was like, what, that Hitler wasn't real? Was that yeah. yeah. Hitler was a lizard man the whole time? Where are we going yeah. with so this? So I think that's one of those kind of cool things where the grandson of someone who stood up to Hitler is yeah. in this film going, look at this idiot. Yeah, I think that sucks. Yeah, I think that's kind of a cool thing. Um... Also helping Bruno Ganz in preparing for the role was the unique, only known recording of Adolf Hitler. 
when he had a private conversation with Field Marshal Mannerheim of Finland. Mm. Um, this happened in 1942. Um, they had a. Wait, tw- do we not have recordings of Hitler? No, of, I think it's 1945. Of, of, a, of a conversation. Oh, oh, so not not a speech. Just not a speech. A, oh, just, okay. okay, right. Yeah, of just you know uh, Hitler, Chit-chat. Hitler uncut. You know, just just what he normally sounded like. And so he's having this private conversation with Mannerheim on his 75th birthday. There's about 11 minutes of recording that featured the relaxed, normal tone with which Hitler talked and described his views on the war. One of two copies of the tape was discovered in 1992. That's kind of cool. And Bruno Ganz was allowed to listen to it to get a sense of how to build that conversational style. Mm. Because you can see it was was an interesting, like, way he used to talk, like, when she mucks up um, the typing. Mm. And he... Yeah. don't want to say it's kind, but it it's was, not. It like you, you, and I think that's even what they're playing with it was you expect him to fly off the handle because you're used to seeing him fly and off the handle. She's so clearly like, oh Stressed, no, like I've messed this up to, in the worst yeah, way. Like he's about and to he's go. like, let's try it again. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just one of those fun things. Yeah. Uh, to to see this depiction of someone who is just historically shown as a monster, and I think it's important to show this person was a human being. A really bad human being, and that's being. what makes it so mm. much worse. Yeah, exactly. That he was just a human being. In in a lot of respects, yeah. The final bit of trivia I have is to do with the real uh, Traudel Younger. Um, so her featured interview is that. Sorry, this is just totally not related. Is that like an old-fashioned German name? Traudel. Yeah, because I've only ever read it in books. I've never heard I've of like n- a living person. No, called yeah, Tradl. I would say so. I guess it's like calling someone Mavis. That was like, my grand's m- name. Okay, damn it! I was going to say how many people have known Mavises. It's fine. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, Charles Junger literally means boy. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, or young. Age. What does Humps mean? Because that was her maiden name. Humps? Yeah. Humps. I don't know. I've it never... meant she needed to get married as quickly as possible and <laughs> change that. Fair enough. Mm. Um, well, the interviews that were featured with the real Traudel Younger were from a documentary that was recorded between April and July 2001. Due to serious health problems, Younger was unable to attend that film's premiere in 2002. Um, the premiere was a great success, and the cameraman went to the hospital to inform Younger that it was great. And she said um, to him, my life's work is accomplished. I can let it go. Aww. She died the next day. Oh. She was 82. Uh, she had a long fight with cancer. But oh, yeah. Bless. So she... And I think that's a really interesting thing to, to close on, given that the film is about this, this real person who we see at the beginning and the end of the film mm. saying, I could have made these discoveries was i not so blind yeah. not so willingly blind any and person I, is a huge thing to admit well yeah. it's, it's 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 people don't like going back on their no, previous and it's stances. also a bit of an, an a national admittance as well yeah as well like it's it's not a lot of these characters are not microcosms of characters they're microcosms of germany germany mm. of, of society and of people who've gone through with these things not just in Nazi Germany but in hundreds of other places even after Germany there have been these kind of atrocities where people have gone along or, or resisted only slightly mm. or resisted completely and you see that so it's it's a human condition with power I think that mm. we're going to keep seeing this again and again yeah um, but yeah I, I just think it's it is it is a really nice way to sort of close off her story yeah, yeah and the fact that, that she, nice. the fact that she got to to know that as well the fact that she was told yeah the film is a success like your your specific documentary which is called blind spot i believe and mm. oh, very much that it's you know your story is now out there i think yes. and you're not just hitler's secretary who thought he was wonderful you're hitler's secretary who 
after was, much thinking and soul searching went no I was really wrong and was able to shed light and, as well yeah. so the rest of the world kind of understand what happened yeah. yeah and yeah I just think it's I think it's fascinating I think it's a really good way yeah, to bookend the film it is and I've, I've even you've even seen it copied into fiction as well this mm. idea of like starting a fictional film with almost people doing that kind of recollection as yeah. well um, the only one I can think I, no, actually, I know this was a thing because I think um, Christopher Nolan admitted it. Is if you watch Interstellar, mm. when they're talking about the crops falling and everything like that, they've got old people kind of talking about it, right? And um, yeah, it, 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 it's incredibly similar. Obviously, he was—I'm inf- pretty sure he was influenced by Downfall to try and make this for his fictional world. Mm. So yeah, cool. Well, all that remains mm. is to score the film. Uh, so we're going to score this film out of ten. Uh, it's essentially just our opinions of how it works as a piece of cinema. Um, so we will start with you, Anna, because it was your first time watching uh, Downfall. What score would you give this film out of 10? Oh, I that's hard. Look, I'd give it, give it like a seven and a half for a film that I'm glad I saw. It feels important that I watch and I will happily never watch that film again. Mm. I... I kind of agree. It is yeah. never going to be my Saturday night viewing. No. No. No, this is very much a film that you need to be prepared to... It's a film that you watch to... Educate. To, to, yeah, to, to educate. educate it's so. not a film that you sit there and go, oh boy, I can't wait to see the fall of Nazi Germany. It's to be, it's, mm. it's the complete opposite of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, whereas that one you're like, ah, oh, this is yeah. just a bit of fun. And it's like, oh, let's see how Hitler dies. Yeah. yeah. You get really pumped up with this Yeah, you're, you're pumped like, oh, up and you're excited God, about it. God, could he just die already? Yeah. yeah. Jason, what score would you give this film? Um, I'm going to... I might go an eight mm-hmm. out of um, ten. Um... It's it's important, and I think these kind of films are ones that you won't go back to, but they may stick with you a bit longer. Hmm. Like, you're probably going to think about this and think about what the messages are and how it's made you feel for a while. Hmm. Um, when you're trying to understand others, when you're just trying to go about your daily life, it's probably going to sit there a lot more. And I remember it was very influential to me in understanding a lot of the world in a lot of ways when I was living over there um, and yeah so I would give it a seven and a half I oh, know I'd give it an eight mm. you gave it a seven and a half sorry yeah it's that's alright we can have the same number yeah mm. no I, I think I'm eight yeah it's it's a very well put together film well worth watching uh, but I, I think it is one of those where you kind of have to go it's a bit like Schindler's List it is well, very you, much viewer discretion is advised well, you're never going to see it like shown on TV no it's, that's, SBS is pretty SBS much the one show place it. it will show as part of like a war film festival yeah yeah, but you're thing. not going to be able to flick it on the same way you can flick on like Two Towers or something yeah. you're not going to flick onto it and see adverts for My Kitchen Rules every 20 minutes yeah. in the middle of it it's, it's not that sort of film and it never should be that sort of film given what they're trying to achieve mm, it's, it's not a fun Lord of the Ringsy film yeah, yeah. It is It is an important film. I don't know if I ever want to watch it ever again, but that is not yeah, because good, it's eh? a bad you may, film. Yeah, you may find yourself changing about 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, but as it currently stands, I'm kind of like, I think, I think I'm done. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least with this particular telling of it. Yeah. Uh, I personally would give it eight um, sneaky bunker cigarettes out of <laughs> 10. Uh, just so, I I love that as soon as Hitler died, everyone just went. Everyone's, every, everybody's up. punching darts and yeah. <laughs> like we've yeah. got to get through this somehow. <laughs> yeah, um, I was a little confused because I think they might have been smoking secretly behind his back too. Because at one point, um, 
Junger and the other secretary. Girl, oh, uh, Greta. Greta, yeah, yeah, they were they were both doing, it and they put it in this very clearly yes, made ashtray down Not, in the weird well, like boiler room. Yeah, it was a boiler room or something. So when a bunker has a boiler room, I mean, room, it was nineteen forty, whatever. Everyone's doing it. Yeah, even Ava was smoke. doing it. Yeah, which I like that she was just doing it outside yeah. on the walks. Yeah, um, but yeah, but I mean that was fine. Like just no. not not here. Yeah. I mean, actually, Hitler did not like cigarette smoke. No, at all. He was a tea, so. and I like the fact that teetotaler, and they called him a vegetarian. A yeah, they, they they call him out on his like clean living. They essentially get blur. The guy's weird. Yeah, <laughs> his yeah. Nazi officers going. Yeah, that was his real sticking point. He didn't yeah. drink or. Well, eat that's meat. it. If, if a Nazi's ever going to like. Um, Badmouth Hitler, it might be about his vegetarianism. So, yeah, but you know, we can we can hate him for a lot more. Yeah, certainly. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of this podcast. So, uh, Anna and Jason, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening in. This was episode. 99 of the podcast. That's quite exciting. I like that. Mm, Which means that next week's episode is episode 100 because that's how numbers work so make sure you stay tuned because we're doing something a little bit different and special um so yeah stay tuned for that one uh if you'd like to find out what that episode is you can subscribe uh just search for us on itunes or soundcloud or other podcasting and podcatching services and uh, you can hear episode 100 and the previous 98 should you so wish uh we are also available on facebook if you want more updates and information about the series just search for the cinema catch-up club on facebook and there is also a Patreon. There's a few bonus extras that our patrons get. Uh, so if you want to get hold of them, just go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.